With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bent, the manager of the site and the host of this old podcast. Um, I'm coming to you live December 21st, 2017. We're getting close to moving in 2018. Always a little crazy how fast time uh, how fast time rolls here in the last couple of months of the year. But we do have a, uh, a very fun podcast on the docket. It's been a little longer than I would have liked since our last podcast. But we're going to hit a little bit on what's been going on in the Big Ten this week and then a little bit on what's to come for this weekend. But to help me chat about what's gone on here briefly, we have uh, Jordan Malley from uh, our site. He, he does a lot of our Indiana stuff. But, uh, Jordan, how's it going this morning or this afternoon? Good. How are you doing, Thomas? Good. Happy to, happy to have you on. Happy to, to chat about Big Ten hoops. Um, so let's let's start with the the big thing. I mean, obviously a lot's happened since our last podcast, but I feel like the big thing that's on everyone's minds is Indiana in perhaps the wildest four or five days we've we've seen in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, that's for sure. And I said this in in my column too on BT Powerhouse is that. Tom Crean may have left campus eight months ago, but clearly he didn't take the play <laughs> to the level of your competition mentality with him. Um, it, it is, it, it's kind of ridiculous the way that you can look at the Hoosiers on Saturday and see them fight throughout the entire game and take down a number 18 Notre Dame team in overtime. And you even, you can even go back and look at the Duke game against um, the number one team in the nation at home. They played well for 37 out of those 40 minutes and a few, a few mistakes here and there that weren't made that that game could have flipped the either way. But I think it's, it's mind boggling to see 48 hours later that they come back home flat footed and just get destroyed by Fort Wayne. It's kind of, um, it's it's having Indiana fans and everybody else who covers them kind of question what's going on with this team. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I I think the the thing I I actually wrote about it today as well on VT Powerhouse plug plug. Um, <laughs> but the weird thing with Indiana, I think people are wondering is you know how do you push Duke? How do you beat Notre Dame? And yet you get blown off the floor to start the season by Indiana State. And now you lose in pretty uncompetitive fashion. Now, I wouldn't say in full-out blowout, but, I mean, it's a 20-point final score here where Fort Wayne comes into your building and beats you. And my answer is twofold. I, I think the first thing is, is, you know, fans need to accept this team just isn't that good. Um, you know, maybe they can get up for certain games. You know, maybe they can really play above their head. But at the end of the day, this this is not a Final Four team. This is not a team stacked with talent, you know, from front to back. Um, there are holes uh, in this roster, and, you know, Ken Palm has Indiana at 95th, and I, I think that tells the story of this isn't some powerhouse team. And you take that, 
And then you add in the fact that Indiana for the last couple of years has, has been really inconsistent. And, you know, as you said, Tom Crean's not the coach anymore, but this is his roster. You know, I know Archie Miller may have quote unquote recruited this last recruiting class here, but this is Tom Crean's roster. These are Tom Crean's guys. And the one thing we know about Tom Crean's teams were they would always go up and down. I mean, even his top end teams would have these just crazy losses. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I think you, you know, I what the example I used is, you know, Fort Wayne comes into your building on Monday night, and in years past, Indiana's probably a twenty plus point favorite in that game, which gives you a lot of margin for error. You know, you can have a couple guys struggle, and you're probably still going to come out on top. But this year, Ken Palm gave a twelve point spread in that game, which may still sound like a lot, but that's a huge, huge difference. And what I, what I said was, you know, that Indiana has sort of gone from dad to little, to big brother here where, you know, no longer are you playing your dad in one-on-one, you're playing your older brother and it may still be a tough matchup, but they're beatable. And I, I think Indiana, because of that fact and because of the inconsistency, that's why it's showing up here. And that's why you can go from beating Notre Dame on a neutral court to losing to Fort Wayne uh, just two days later. So it's, it's been a wild run. Um, now, obviously, it's, it's disappointing. You know, Indiana's 6-6 six and six overall, 1-1 one one in the Big Ten right now. Uh, what should we expect going forward? Do you think there's anything to be hopeful about right now, or is this sort of play out this year and, and move on to next year? Yeah, I think there's plenty. I think there's plenty for Indiana Hoosiers fans to be, to be sort of excited about, especially going into a Big Ten conference play. I highlight two things, too, in this article and just kind of watching Indiana over the last two weeks. And I hear it and I see a lot of people say that Indiana doesn't have, like, legitimate stars on their team or legitimate stars in college basketball. And that's sort of what they've built their their presence over the last five years on is having one legitimate star. And I kind of counter that with the way Juwan Morgan has played, especially the last two weeks. I think that's a guy that has now taken over the leadership role of that team and has done everything on the court to to expect that he is one of the best he's one of the best players in the Big 10 right now the way he is playing now if he continues that way we could be lo- we could be looking and talking about a different Indiana Hoosiers team 2 months from now um, to counter that too Indiana's got probably one of the best front courts in in the Big 10 you just don't see it relay into the win or loss column for that matter and i think it plays to a lot of factors that a lot of the guys on Indiana's roster right now, like you had said, are Tom Crean's guys. They're they're used to playing in Tom Crean's system, which is which is different from what Archie Miller is trying to to do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think somebody that I'm really disappointed in this year, and I think I think it's across the board with a lot of Indiana fans, is Robert Johnson. Um, he's still making mistakes, like he's a freshman out there, and I think that goes a long way with Josh Newkirk too. You see flashes of Josh Newkirk once in a while be able to do something, but then he regresses back to freshman mistakes, mistakes that he should have picked up on and learned. And I, I just don't see, I, for the guys that I thought coming into the season that were going to be the leaders of this team, be able to take them farther than they actually have, haven't turned out to be those guys. To finish up, Juwan Morgan, though, him being healthy for the first time, and hopefully I'm knocking on wood here that he stays healthy for an entire season. I think him and, and Deron Davis, if they start to play their offense through those two guys, I think they can be – I still think they can be a competitive team in this Big Ten and surprise a lot of people. I know people are down about the Fort Wayne loss, but um, I still think they have two legitimate stars on their team in Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis. 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you on Morgan. I think he's a legitimate star. I think he's one of the better players in the Big Ten. I'm not sure if he's a first-team All-Big Ten guy, but I would certainly put him you know, either on the second team or, or right in the running there. So I, I think he has been really good this season. However, uh, Davis, to me, a little too inconsistent. Uh, you know, I, I talked about how I view Indiana as a very inconsistent team, but I, I think Davis can come and go. And the example I use is, you know, over the last six games, he's had three games where he scored um, a total of like 43 points or something like that. Uh, yeah, 43 points. The other three games, um, he scores 14 points. So I, I, I think it's and, – and really it's not even translating with, you know, he scores a bunch against, diff, you know, easy opponents and can't score against difficult opponents. No, it's just kind of uh, sporadic and, and random. So I, I think that's something – that he needs to step up in. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the backcourt has certainly been disappointing. You know, Indiana's still struggling with, with turnovers, which has really been the, the big issue of the last few years of, of Hoosier basketball. But I still think there's hope. I think if you're Indiana, um, you know, the NCAA tournament is going to be a very uphill battle. You know, Ken Palm projects Indiana to finish 13 and 17, which would obviously be miles away from a tournament bid in, in this year's, Big Ten, but I think what you look for is you look for some progress from the young guys. You hope somebody, you know, whether it's Durham, whether it's Smith, somebody can step up here um, in the coming weeks. If not, I mean, I, I think the focus will obviously next year is is when fans are hoping the team can sort of really take a step forward. But I think you, you look for some progress from the young guys. You hope to see an upset or two, and I, I think maybe – I mean, even an NIT bid, I, I think, would be pretty difficult at this point. But, you know, you, you hope for some positivity, keep recruiting well, and, and next year hopefully you can make some progress. But um, but with that, um, let's let's spend a minute or two talking about the rest of the league here. Um, how do you see things shaping out? I mean, is there anything that, that's popping up in your head that you, you want to hit on here? Um, whether it's the last weekend, whether it's just the season in general so far, as far as the Big Ten goes. Yeah, I think the one of the one of the most surprising things, and I, th- I think if you're a Big Ten fan, you look at this, and while they while they've been a bottom feeder since they entered a- entered the Big Ten, I think Rutgers now they haven't played. I mean, they haven't played a whole lot of teams that are super competitive or anything, but I think it says something about Rutgers having the best, uh, one of the best scoring defenses in the big 10, actually number one right now. Now, do I see that changing? Probably when big 10 conference play starts, probably a change, but I think it's, I think it's a testament to what Rutgers is at least trying to do there. Um, I thought that was one of the biggest surprises for me is that they have one of the best defenses. Now you compare some of the other teams that are in the big 10 and what talent they're playing, then you can be a little bit more objective about it. Um, Another thing, another team that I thought was really surprising and people weren't really sure about how they were going to play this year um, was Michigan State coming back. I know that they were ranked in the top five, and some people were talking about them sliding down and being somewhat overrated. Um, I think it's really cool that Miles uh, that Miles Bridges came back and decided to play for another year. And I'm interested to to get your perspective on this too. If you think about stars that decide to come back or guys that are highly rated in the NBA draft that decide to return to this and the way we're seeing miles bridges play um, this year compared to last, how do you see that fitting in terms of like a future or a mold for 
um, other Big Ten players maybe around the league that are looking to return instead of entering the NBA draft? Because I can think about a couple guys on Indiana um, that have had that question before and even in the years past. But how do you see that molding into something maybe other players decide to do, especially in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I think the thing is, is, is as I said before, uh, you know, when he made the decision, personally, I, I thought he was making a mistake um, just because, it, to me, if you are cemented as that big of a prospect, you go pro. You don't think about it. You don't weigh what's going to happen because, really, the only reason you should come back in my book is because you think you can elevate yourself enough to where you're going to make more money at the end of the day. You know, whether it, it's going to extend your career in the league, whether it's going to bump you up, you know, maybe you were a second-round pick, now you're a first-round pick, whatever. Um, I, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Um, I haven't really looked at many of the mock drafts lately. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull one up here quickly um, as he's we're on the podcast here. But, okay, so he's at 11th right now. Um, last year, I remember him being projected somewhere between 12th to 16th or so. Um, so I, I think, uh, and this is NBADraft.net, so whatever you think of them, they have him at 11th to the Clippers right now. But coming back for a year, sacrificing a salary for a year of tuition to move up one spot in the draft is, is not that valuable. Um, now we'll right. see. Maybe this ends up leading to a really long career in the NBA and, and that extra year of development made that much of a difference. I don't know. Um, but I, I would say for me, I don't think he's moved up noticeably in the draft. You know, people were saying, oh, now he's going to be like the second pick or the third pick. I don't think so. I really don't foresee that happening. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be a quote-unquote good decision in that regard. However, as far as Michigan State, I think they are setting up to have a banner year. Um, I, I think they have absolutely lived up to the hype so far this season. I mean, their defense is unbelievable so far. Um, they are just destroying <laughs> opponents, and, and even the opponents that really play up to them, as they end up going down in, <laughs> in, by double digits or, or more. I mean, uh, they've been really, really good over the last month or so, and you know, they're sitting at 11-1. and one. Their only loss is that battle against Duke um, on the, the first couple of days of the season. Um, they do get a couple easy games here in a row and before they enter Big Ten play, but I think it's going to be a while, to be honest, before we see Michigan State go down. You know, for those who haven't really looked ahead um, to the schedule, uh, as I mentioned, they get three just snoozers to finish off December, and then they get um, – Four out of their first five are at home, and their one road game is against Ohio State, who I think they are going to handle. Um, maybe the Buckeyes proved to be a little bit better than we think, but their first really challenging road game is the end of January at Maryland. So I think there's a decent chance Michigan State wins, um, what would that be, Five or their first five or six or seven home or Big Ten games, so I think there's a chance Michigan State's like twenty and one or, or something like that heading into Maryland, which would make for a fantastic environment. But yeah, I think Michigan State has absolutely lived up to the billing. Um, other things I, I wanted to hit on quickly, um, I agree with you. I, I think Rutgers is really trending up. You have to like where they're heading long term. Um, I'm I'm not sure if that win over Seton Hall is. is really going to tell us a lot about this season, um, but it certainly is a positive 
certainly a great win for uh, Steve Pico, and, and we'll see what if he can build on that. Um, on the other the other side of things, I, I think the teams I've really been disappointed in um, easily Iowa. Iowa is just really rough right now. Um, I know some yeah. of their advanced numbers are okay, but they have not performed against any quality competition. I mean, their best win is against UAB on a neutral court so far. Um, and I, I think Iowa, their advanced ratings, I, I think, are misleading because they've been doing the old, we blow out bad teams by more than we should. And I just, I don't think it's <laughs> going to translate against better opponents. Um, well, it hasn't so far, I guess. And then obviously Wisconsin, who's sitting at five and seven, they, uh, like Michigan State, they have a very easy close to December, but really disappointing um, start from the Badgers. But uh, but with that, you know, we touched a little bit on what's happened so far. Uh, I want to take a look ahead to this weekend. And to help us out, we have um, a, a great guest here. Um, we have Mitchell from the uh, – hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly – from uh, the ACC Basketball Report. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um so before we get into this, why don't you take a, a just a minute or two to just tell us about yourself, about your site. Um, I, uh, I decided to start a blog in uh, August called ACCBasketballReport.com. Um, I'm originally from the Northeast, and I uh, recently moved and bought a home uh, right in the middle of the triangle. So I'm surrounded by uh, you know, NC State, North Carolina, and Duke fans. <laughs> And kind of living in the in the heart of the ACC country right now, and uh, you know a lot of information, a lot of knowledgeable people, and uh, I tend to have a, kind of a crass or unique opinion, um, and can't <laughs> always be expressed on other websites or message boards. So I decided to set my own, and uh, and it's it's been fun. It's been a fun few months. You know, I can put my opinion out there how I like to, and and say what I want, and uh, it, it's been a good time. Excellent. So, so I have you on for two reasons uh, today. Um, the first is I want to spend it a, a little bit, uh, you know, the primary reason is I, I want to spend a little bit talking about uh, Ohio State's matchup with North Carolina on Saturday, which I think from a Ken Palm perspective is the Big Ten's mm-hmm. highest rated opponent left this season or non-con opponent. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a big, a big game for the Big Ten. Um, but the, before we get to that, we have to talk about last night uh, where North yeah. Carolina gets upset at home against Wofford. Uh, what did you make of that? Is this a freak thing? Um, is it a, just a trap game they weren't expecting? Um, any thoughts on that one? Um, there's there's a lot of teams, or I should say a few of the middle-tier teams in the ACC that I'm worried about. Uh, North Carolina is not one of them. Um, they just got all they could handle in Tennessee uh, just a few nights ago, and that was after about an 11-day layoff. Uh, they were able to pull it out at the end on a on a really big Kenny Williams bucket. Um, after reviewing the game, uh, Wofford, you know, they're from the Southern Conference, but not a program to be slept upon. Um, just in the last couple of years, they played Vermont, Colorado, TCU, at GTEC, at LSU, Miami, at Texas Tech. Um, they went – actually, they hosted uh, the Yellow Jackets a couple weeks ago, and they beat GTEC on their home floor. Um, last night was just kind of a perfect storm, I think, uh, for Wofford. You know, they got a kid named Fletcher McGee who is – he's just a killer. Um, I think he had 27 last night. And people who look at the box score are going to think that, you know, that's where the game was won. But he actually only scored five points in the last 15 minutes of the game. Um, they got – 
Another kid uh, named Cameron Jackson, who played like a beast last night. Um, I think North Carolina bounces back after this game. They get Cameron Johnson back for the Ohio State game. So, you know, that's going to be big because they're not getting much out of their front core other than Luke May right now out of those freshmen. <clears throat> okay, okay. Um, Jordan, anything to add on that game? I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. Nope, guess not. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think he jumped off. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so so let's move into our, our second game here. Um, well, not the second game, but the, the primary one we want to talk about. That's Ohio State uh, facing North Carolina on Saturday. The game, I believe, mm-hmm. is in New Orleans, uh, which is kind of random, but that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, from a North Carolina perspective, do they need to do to win this game? I mean, the Buckeyes are obviously not – an elite opponent this year, but they've been playing better. They have a couple nice shooters. Bates Diop has been playing really well. Uh, Jason Tate, obviously a diverse player. Um, what do you, what do you, does North Carolina need to do to, to win this game? Um, Carolina uh, has, to, has to kind of stick to what they do best, in my opinion. That's just pound the glass. Uh, you put the ball in Joel Berry's hands, and you kind of let him create. Um, and, you know, last night – uh, you know, talking about the perfect storm. Luke May was started out with three for 14 from the field. That's not going to happen every night. I mean, the guy averages a double-double. And as bad as he played last night, he still had a double-double. Um, getting Cameron Johnson back in that game, you're going to see uh, Roy Williams go small, I think, in this game. He's going to play May at the five. He's going to play Johnson at the, at the four. And, uh, you know, not a lot of good. Might have happened uh, from that Johnson injury, but Kenny Williams has emerged as a pretty consistent scorer for the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, having double-digit points, I believe, in all but two games this year. So that's going to give them a, a real nice you know, four players that can that can really go at Ohio State. Um, and those freshmen, they don't score a lot, and they're kind of inconsistent, but they rebound the heck out of the ball. <clears throat> okay, um, so let's let's flip it now. Um, if North Carolina is going to lose this game, um, mm-hmm. I, I know you don't cover Ohio State necessarily, but what, what does mm-hmm. Ohio State need to do? Is, is there a certain area that's vulnerable, or, or where can they attack best? Well, I mean, last night um, one of the biggest things that happened was Carolina didn't run any of Walford shooters off the three-point line. Um, they were coming off mm-hmm. baseline picks and elbow picks and, and getting pretty good looks. Um, the other thing was they didn't turn Walford over. Um, I think Wofford only had seven turnovers. Carolina had 14. Um, so wow. I think if Ohio State can take care of the ball and uh, Bates D up can uh, have a good game and they can, you know, coming into the season, I haven't watched a whole lot of Ohio State play. I've seen some of their numbers. I really expected more out of Cam Williams as a senior. Um, he mm-hmm. hasn't given them a whole lot this year, but uh, the, the Chris Jackson, he's, he's a player. And if Bates D up can get some help, from uh, from Jackson and Tate, then, then they can be they can be a threat to win this game, especially on a neutral floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to come down to how well does Ohio State shoot, which certainly is partially dependent on what North Carolina does on the defensive end of the floor. Um, sure. But I, I definitely think that's spot to watch um, in this one. Uh, spinning off of that, um, I wanted to to just ask you a, a, some quick thoughts as, as far as the conferences go. Obviously, you cover the ACC, so I assume you're a little partial to them. Uh, but uh, hmm. where do you see the, the conference picture sorting out? I, I think we know the Big Ten's having a down year. 
Um, what's yeah. your perspective, at least nationally, on how down they are and how competitive they are going to be at season's end? Um, the Big Ten, I still like a lot of their teams. Um, I've stated on the site a few times, I'm not a huge believer in Indiana. Um, and then they go out and beat Notre Dame. So I started to be a little bit of a believer in Indiana, and they go out and lose to Fort Wayne. So, you know, it's a – um, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of what uh, Richard Pitino is doing at Minnesota. I think he's got a hell of a team, um, and and they got, you know, I I was really shocked to see them lose at home to Miami. Actually, I picked uh, the Gophers in that game. Uh, I think the top of the Big Ten is really good. Um, Purdue, Michigan State, Minnesota are, are all really good teams. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, I've been kind of disappointed in uh, Northwestern, and definitely I've been shocked by what's been happening at uh, at Wisconsin. I thought, you know, just historically they're so good, it's difficult to pick against them, and they've been really disappointing early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree there. Um, and oh, I, and I guess it's a, a final. I, I, I forget about Michigan. <laughs> Uh, I, I just think, you know, uh, Michigan, I can never count Michigan out with D-line. He's, you know, one of the best coaches in the country. Excellent. Um, well, uh, before I let you go, first off, I appreciate you you joining us here. Um, what I, I guess is a, a final thing for our Big Ten people who are deep into the Big Ten, not really following the ACC that much. Um, what's the biggest thing, I guess you would tell someone who isn't following the ACC, what should they know about the conference? Uh, I guess a, a thing or two that you would say, hey, pay attention to this as, as time, the months go on. I think uh, the biggest thing is a lot of people were kind of shocked about Clemson uh, beating Florida the other day. Mm-hmm. I did a pregame preview on that, and I almost picked Clemson straight up to win the game. Um, I knew they had a really good shot. They have a really good front court. Uh, Elijah Thomas, Dante Grantham is is a really good combo, and they've got two really good guards in the backcourt that can score the ball. Um, the other thing is, and it kind of shocked me, is Virginia Tech is a team that can really score the ball and can really play with anybody. Um, they actually led Kentucky on that, you know, in Lexington throughout the first half in a game that came down to you know the last four minutes of the game. Virginia Tech is a team that right now is top three in my ACC power rankings um, behind Duke and Miami. I, I think that uh, the Hokies are a team that could really, could really, you know, cause some trouble in the ACC mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And uh, as a reminder to everyone, where can they check out your stuff? Uh, ACCBasketballReport.com. And I'm on Twitter at, uh, peak, at Peacone36. And, uh, yeah, right now that's it. I'm uh, I'm looking at maybe starting a podcast of my own in the future, but that's still uh, that's still a little ways out. <laughs> Excellent, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, yeah, really really appreciate our uh, our guests joining us tonight. Really fun uh, fun topics. Trying to get in and out here as far as the the Big Ten is concerned. Um, another. Uh, um, I guess a couple of things I I wanted to hit on here before we get out. Um, We talked about a lot of the teams around the league. The one last one that I I really wanted to hit on was Northwestern. You know, um, Mitchell talked about them for a second here, but uh, nine and four on the year, one and one in the big 10, they're coming off a a four game winning streak and they have a really big game on Friday 
They're going on the road to face an Oklahoma team that, that's really rising. Uh, the Sooners, 20th on Ken Palm. They're 9-1. They just beat Wichita State last week on the road, which is a huge win, needless to say. They already have beaten USC and Oregon as well. So a really high-flying Oklahoma team where Trey Young, young point guard, really uh, Ken Palm has him as the number one player in the country, which is kind of insane. Uh, but, you know, he was he had a really nice recruiting profile, but great, great player. And the Wildcats are going uh, on the road to face them on Friday night. And, you know, I, we talked about that the Ohio State-North Carolina game from a Ken Palm perspective is the Big Ten's best or biggest op- remaining opportunity. I mean, North Carolina's a top-ten team. Ohio State, if they got a win in that game, it would be massive, massive. Uh, I, I can't underline that enough you know, for the league's profile and, and certainly Ohio State's profile. You know, for Northwestern, if they can go on the road and get a win over Oklahoma, I think that would be really, really valuable. And the Sooners, I think, at the end of the day, are going to be one of the teams with the best overall resume because they play in that just stacked Big 12. So I, I think that's a team that could really put together a great resume. And if Northwestern can beat them, I mean, that kind of – speaks for itself. And, and moreover, you know, as far as the Wildcats are concerned this year, and, you know, for a team that came into the season ranked in the top 25, that's obviously a really disappointing fact. So I think the thing is, is if they can go in, they can get a really nice win, get things moving in the right direction. I, I think if they're sitting at 10 and four, they have Brown next Saturday, easy win at home. Um, you're looking at uh, 11 and four entering the heart of big 10 play. They'd have that win over Oklahoma. They'd have another road win against DePaul. They'd have a neutral win, and then they have that Illinois win too. So you start getting that resume together. You start building from there. It's still not the best. They have work to do, but, hey, that would really help. So I, I think that and that Ohio State game, those are the big games to watch this weekend. They're certainly not the only marquee games. You know, Iowa has a game against Colorado as well, but I think those are the ones to keep an eye on. And, you know, we'll we'll see how things shake up. But with that, I'm going to call it a night here. A little bit of a shorter podcast, but we're trying to get back in the uh, the rhythm of, of doing these weekly. So start expecting them Thursday night, Friday morning-ish um, on the site and or, you know, through your stream. Make sure to subscribe on uh, Google, uh, iTunes, et cetera. Um, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Follow BT Powerhouse on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Basically, if it's social media, we're probably on there. Um, Check us out, read the site, and we'll see you all next time. Have a great weekend and a great Merry Christmas. Thanks, guys.